0: over in your Bibles to Numbers chapter 12. Numbers chapter 12, as we are in the Thanksgiving Thanksgiving week. In the regions of Mexico, there are hot springs and there are cold springs, and sometimes they are found side by side. Because of the great convenience of this natural phenomena, there are some of the women that would bring the laundry out to the springs... And they would have the hot water and they would boil the, almost boil the clothes and get them all clean and then right over into the cold water to rinse them all off. And they, they thought this was great and some people saw them doing all this and they said, boy, they must be thinking that Mother Nature is just the most generous thing in the world to be giving them an unlimited amount of hot water, an unlimited amount of cold water. And he said, no, senor, there is much grumbling because she does not supply soap. It is easy for us to look at what we don't have. And not as easy for us to look at what we do. We looked the last couple of weeks at the things that cause us to have something against other people. As the Word of God put it in the wording that uh, Mark used, have anything against anyone. We want to fix the cause for this. And we said that there were three causes that bring this about. The first one was pride, the root of which is a quality or ability not recognized or utilized properly by others. I feel that I have a quality or ability that's not being utilized or recognized properly by others. It comes against the godly character of, everybody remember? Humility. I don't forgive because of a distorted view of value and importance. I think myself to be more valuable and more important I have a distorted view of that, and so forgiveness does not come to me. The second was bitterness. It is a feeling of deep and bitter anger and ill will, resentment strong enough to justify retaliation. The root is a response or accusal perceived or received wrongfully that I feel is wrongful. That was bitterness. We looked at uh, that we don't, we're not born bitter. We looked at some people who became bitter. We looked at David, who had the opportunity to become bitter and did not. And one time when he did and how he got out of it. Once bitterness has set in, we saw that other other responses follow. You can become easily angered, often offended, jealous, envy, and barriers block relationships. It comes against the godly character of joy. Because when you're bitter, you are not full of joy. It is quite the opposite. I don't forgive because of a selfish view of the situation. And so now we want to get into our third cause. The third cause for why I have something against others. Why I have anything against anyone. And that would be entitlement. Entitlement is defined to give a person the right to do or have something. Qualify. Allow. It is to give a name or title to or to confer a title of rank or honor upon. Entitlement is something denied that I have earned or deserved. This is the root of this. It's something denied that I have earned or deserved. People who fall into this mentality and have something against others feel that they have been denied or deserved. Something. It can be money. It can be honor. It can be positions. It can be all kinds of stuff. But it's something denied that I feel I have earned or deserve. And if I fall into this, it is a cause of why people have something against another. Because I'm entitled to that and someone didn't give it to me. Somebody didn't grant it to me. Somebody didn't bring that... Over to me. How many of you have all seen some people who feel they are entitled to be called by a certain title? And if you don't call them by that title, then what happens? I am entitled to that. And there's an attitude that sets in. And now they have something against you because you didn't use that title. Some people feel like, you know, the whole Occupy Wall Street thing. Everybody feels like they're entitled to other people's money. And if you don't give me that money, then I'm going to protest in the street. I'm going to make a mess of things. I'm going to block businesses and do all sorts of stuff. I feel I am entitled to something. So our three things were pride, bitterness, and entitlement. Pride, bitterness, and entitlement. Pride, I'm looking at who I am. Look at me. Bitterness, I'm looking at what you did. And entitlement, I'm looking at... What I get. (laughs) I should get to have this. Who I am, what you did, and what I get. These are things that cause us to have something against another. Which stand in the way of our prayers being answered as Mark laid it out for us in chapter 11, 25 and 26. Something denied that I have earned or deserved. We may not have come to this knowledge on our own. I put this in your outline because it's not something that everybody comes up with. Sometimes seeds are sown by others. How many have ever heard someone say this to you? They shouldn't treat you that way. <laughs> you deserve better than that. I do deserve better than that. They should pay you more. Haven't we heard those things? That's other people. What they're doing is they're sowing this thought in there. And and maybe they maybe they even have rightfully, a rightful reason to do so. But it's a thought that comes in. And if I pick up that mentality... It is a ground for having something against another. And what does Jesus say? That if we have anything against anyone, forgive them. So your Heavenly Father will forgive you. We don't want anything blocking our our prayers. We don't want anything hindering us. And so if I get into that thing where I am entitled to this, it's going to hinder me in the eyes of God. Let me tell you what. Who would you rather be blessing you? Your boss or God? (laughs) It's, it's no contest there, is it? So why don't we do the things that cause us to be blessed by God instead of the things that cause us to be blessed by people? Or look blessed. Seeds can be sown by others and sometimes with intent. There are times that people sow seeds for the, for the purpose of causing trouble. They don't even mean what they're saying. Well, you deserve better. They don't think that, but they want you to think that so that you start having some strife, some things coming in. Now, even though these seeds can be sown by others, the seeds, however the seeds come, they don't grow unless I water them. i got to water them. I've got to do something with it. We've got to get in there and we've got to meditate on it and, and help these seeds to grow. There was a comic strip, Dennis the Menace, and Dennis and his friend, how many remember Joey? Dennis and Joey used to go around the neighborhood and just cause all sorts of trouble. It's amazing they haven't grown up. And they were leaving Mr. Wilson's house, or Mrs. Wilson's house, with their hands full of cookies. Well, Dennis, you might remember, Dennis was not always the best neighbor to the Wilsons. Did not always treat them all that well and just did all sorts of stuff that Mr. Wilson used to get real frustrated at. So Joey said this in the comic strip. He said this to Dennis. I wonder what we did to deserve this. And Dennis answered, look, Joey, Mrs. Wilson gives us cookies, not because we're nice, but because she's nice. <laughs> we, thank God we don't get what we deserve, right? Well, we're going to look at somebody who did this wrong. Because if you know how to do it wrong, a lot of times we can learn how to do it, do it right. We'll look at how people did it right, too. But uh, just like in the, the last one with bitterness, we looked at how... It took somebody down. We're going to look at how it took some people down. And then we'll see how we can overcome it as well. But in Numbers chapter 12, verse 1, Then Miriam and Aaron spoke against Moses because of the Ethiopian woman whom he had married, for he had married an Ethiopian woman. So they said, Has the Lord indeed spoken only through Moses? Has he not spoken through us also? And the Lord heard it. Now, these two verses have volumes of material in them. So, first of all, they came and they spoke against Moses. Can you tell from what they said about Moses that Miriam and Aaron had something against Moses? So, they qualify as having anything against anyone because they had something against Moses. So, they say this, Has... The Lord. Now, does that sound familiar? Anybody remember where that came from before? The serpent said that. didn't he, has the Lord really said? Now, we told you seeds are not always sown by yourself. Other people can come along. And so, either the enemy came along or someone came along and sowed this seed. Maybe one of the congregation of the children of Israel came and said, how come Moses is always the one hearing from God? Doesn't he speak to you? And they may have gone away and thought on that for a while. Well, God does talk to us. How come it's always Moses? So they said, has the Lord... Has the Lord... You know, we're questioning. Has the Lord really done... Is this really what the the Lord has done? Has the Lord indeed spoken only through Moses? Has the Lord... So you can get kind of an idea of what's going on here. Somebody has come along and stirred up some trouble. Either the enemy, Satan, or people came along and stirred up some trouble. Now I want you to concentrate on this one word. It might not look like a whole lot, but it actually is. Has the Lord indeed spoken only through Moses? Now I had to drop some of these things out of your outline. If you want to write them in, you can go ahead. But I wrote in here, only And also, if you want to write down what I wrote about these words, you can feel free to do so. Only. I looked this up in the dictionary. Because sometimes it's just fun to do that. And since I don't have to pull out an actual dictionary to do it, it's even easier and more fun. Here's what it says. Alone. Solely. Exclusively. Only means alone. Solely. Or exclusively? So what we're looking at is, they're asking this question. Has the Lord spoken only? Exclusively? Solely? Moses alone by himself? Has the Lord only spoken to Moses? Is this an exclusive thing out of all these 2 to 4 million people we have here? Is the Lord only speaking to Moses? Now it's going to tell us a couple of things, but before we go on to only, we want to go on to the other word. Look at what else they say. Has the Lord indeed spoken only through Moses? Has he not spoken through us? Also, <laughs> only, and also. Also is this, in addition, along with, as well as. So the one word denotes exclusively, solely, and the other word is in addition to, along with, As well as, has the Lord not spoken to us as well as Moses? Has the Lord not spoken to us in addition to speaking to Moses? Has the Lord not spoken to us along with speaking to Moses? Now, this is important. This is why I'm concentrating on these two words here. Because what they are doing, when we bring these words only and also in this type of a setting, what we're saying is, I am not denouncing what God is doing Through Moses. I didn't say that God doesn't speak through Moses. I said, does God only speak through Moses? And then when I begin to talk about, has He not also spoken to us? In other words, look at me. Look at me. I don't discount what else is going on, but it seems others are discounting what is going on through me. Now, here's a real important one. This is why this one is number three. It is difficult to get into this third arena. And I missed the word out of there. Without, put the word out in there if you would for me. Without having passed through at least one of the first two. It is difficult to get into this third arena of entitlement. With having, without having passed through at least one of the first two. When you hear Miriam and and Aaron saying, has the Lord only spoken through Moses? Has He not also spoken to us? Do you not hear some pride? I have abilities that are not being recognized. Do you hear some bitterness? You see, you get into entitlement and the bitterness and the pride have already plowed the ground and gotten you ready. But of the three, I told you we were progressive in this. We did the easy one first, pride. We did the next hardest one, second, which was bitterness. This is the tough one. This is the tough one because it is the hardest to get into and the most difficult to get out of. People do not wake up one day and have an entitlement mentality, it grows. And once it has grown on you, it is very hard to get it off. Not impossible. Thank God the Word of God does say all things are possible to him who believes. You can get rid of it, but you got to get rid of those other things too because it will hold you back. So Miriam and Aaron feel that they are entitled to be recognized for their spokesman ability as well, that God speaks to them. They feel they are entitled to it as much as Moses is because God does not speak to him only speaks to us also. Now, here's the thing. Then Miriam and Aaron, Aaron, verse 1, spoke against Moses because he was always talking. Because he was always saying, Thus saith the Lord. Because he was always the one in front of the congregation. Doesn't it seem odd to you that they're, they did all this because they spoke against Moses because of the Ethiopian woman But the thing they bring out is that God speaks to us too. I don't know about you, but that seems a little disconnected. So you have to meditate on this a little bit. Now, you all know that this is the first interracial marriage in the Word of God. Because they're being heard from being from Ethiopia and Moses being from where he was. Their skin color was different and their race is different. God is not against people getting married to different races. He's against people getting married who serve different gods. Now, there's all kinds of things they could have had a problem with if they were religious people. Because religious people sometimes have a problem with interracial marriages, don't they? The Bible doesn't, but some people do. Another thing they could do is, Moses was married before. In fact, had children. They may, If you're a religious person, you can get upset because he uh, either got divorced or did not get divorced and remarried. Whichever way you want to go, you got something you can get upset at if you're a religious person. So this wife thing brought some problems in on here. But it wasn't the problem. The problem was, this had been going on for a while. And people have been saying to Aaron and Miriam, doesn't God talk to you? Or the enemy was sowing those seeds in them, or they somehow came up with the thought themselves. Yeah, God speaks to us. God speaks to us. And then they see Moses do this. And they spoke against them because this can prove our point. Obviously, he's not that godly. Look at this wife's situation. And whatever it was that gave them problems, I have to think that somehow the race had something to do with it because the thing that they stressed is, she's an Ethiopian woman. It said twice in the same verse. I think they're trying to get a point across. This must have been the problem. The Bible is not saying it should have been a problem. It is saying it is a problem for Miriam and Aaron. And if anything, God says, with well, the way God shows up on this thing, He's saying, this is not a problem for me. I don't know why it is for you. <laughs> if God don't have a problem with it, what in the world do we have a problem with for? Has God indeed spoken only through Moses? Has He not spoken through us also? And the Lord heard it. <laughs> I don't think we necessarily needed that in there. <laughs> I think most of us are pretty pretty clear that God heard it, but it is a made note about that God heard it, and God's responses are incredible. And sometimes we read over them so fast we miss what He's really getting into here. But so the reason for it is the the stated reason is the new wife. So what does this have to do with whom God speaks to? <laughs> it may not have a whole lot or maybe they're trying to use it as evidence that he's not hearing from God because this is not God's purpose for him to marry her for whatever reason. I don't know. That's the best I can do to try and draw this thing together but it seemed like it was as the phrase goes the straw that broke the camel's back. This one seemed to have just pushed him over the edge. Verse 3. Now, the man Moses was very humble, more than all men who were on the face of the earth. Who is writing this book? Moses is writing this book. Now, the man Moses was very humble, more than all men who were on the face of the earth. If humility is defined by the way we define it, Moses is not the most humble man on the earth. Is he? Because you cannot write about it. My dad used to go around and talk about, you know, uh, one of the books he wrote, The seven most humble men in the world and how I met the other six. Humility and how I obtained it. (laughs) Because in our mindset, you you cannot declare that you are humble or else you are not humble. Which is really kind of crazy because God wants us to be humble, right? But if you know you're humble, then you're not humble. So how are you supposed to become humble when if you know that you are humble, you are now no longer humble? you got to go back and work on it. See, humility, the way we define it, is not the way God defines it. But Moses is the definition of humility. You want to find out what humility is? Look at Moses. We're not on humility right now. We were. This is where we would be looking. Now the man Moses was very humble, more than all men who were on the face of the earth. Suddenly the Lord said to Moses, Aaron and Miriam, come out, you three, to the tabernacle of meeting. So the three came out. Then the Lord came down in the pillar of cloud and stood in the door of the tabernacle and called Aaron and Miriam. So he called all three over for this meeting, but then he separated Aaron and Miriam. It's never a good thing when God separates the offending parties from the non-offending parties. Just take note of that in the Word of God, that whenever God says, all right, we need to separate you guys go over here and you guys go over here. If you're in the bad party, it's it's not going to be good. Even in the end, when Jesus teaches about the, the um, coming of Christ, He has the judgment seat that's called the judgment seat or the, the judgment of nations. And we take all the good ones, good folks, and we put them over here. Not the good nations, but the good people in those nations. And then all the bad ones, we put them over here. And people because they want to see the rapture in Jesus' teaching, have always taught that the ones that are taken are the righteous and the ones that are left are the unsaved. And that is not true. Jesus never teaches about the rapture and Jesus never teaches that principle. People have assumed it. When Jesus talks about the judgment of nations, the one who leaves is the one who is wrong, the one who is unrighteous. Because the righteous people stay on To go into the next kingdom with the Lord. But in the rapture, he comes to get his church and pulls his church out. What's he doing? Separating. What happens in the tribulation? Nothing good. Nothing that you want to be here for. Whatever God separates, it is not good for the people in the bad group. It just isn't. You know, we had the the one group that was all poolside, uh, uh, Korah, they separate them. Get away from them. I mean, if he says get away, it's, it's not going to be good here. So we got Aaron, we got Moses. Come on out here. I want you to come away from Moses. <laughs> I'm, if I'm Aaron and Moses, I'm, we're staying right here. <laughs> right here next to, the, <laughs> next to this guy. But you see, they feel that they're on equal plane with Moses. And really don't fear coming away from him. So they step forward. And they both went forward, it says, in verse 6. Then he said, Hear now my words. That's another thing you ought to take note of. If God says, Hear now my words. Listen. Pay very close attention. Is there a prophet among you? If there is a prophet among you, I, the Lord, make myself known to him in a vision. I speak to him in a dream. Not so... With my servant Moses. He is faithful in all my house. I speak with him face to face. In other words, not in visions and not in dreams. Face to face. Even plainly and not in dark sayings. And he sees the form of the Lord. What he's basically saying here is Aaron and Miriam, you see the form of the Lord? Do I speak to you this way? Um, Are are we on a Mm face-to-face? Here is a real key one. I speak with him face-to-face, evenly, plainly, and not in dark sayings. And he sees the form of the Lord. Now watch this. Why then were you not afraid to speak against my servant Moses? I thought God was all about getting rid of fear. Why were you not afraid? Is he telling these people that they should have been afraid? What keeps you from playing with rattlesnakes? The fear of getting bit in the poison, right? That keeps us from doing that. What keeps you from playing in the middle of I-76? <laughs> The fear of the drivers that are on that road. Right? What keeps you from jumping off the Empire State Building? Are there not certain things that we are afraid of that kind of keep us in the, the right area? That kind of guide us in when we were growing up? Were there not certain activities we did not do because of fear of mom and Dad? Were there not certain things you didn't do in school for fear of the teachers and coming home to mom and dad? And there are other activities that certain ones of us don't do because of fear. But but fear can keep us from good activities and they can keep us from harmful ones. Because of the fear that is there. What he is saying is, how is it that your own common sense on the inside, your spiritual sense, did not kick in when you spoke against the one that I, the Lord, speak to face to face? How does that not register on the inside of you to be afraid? Think back to your high school days. How many of you can picture one particular person who is extremely dominant? either because of their large size or something, they were the most dominant person in school. And if a person was their buddy, did you not treat them with the same hands-off mentality as the big bully? Because you knew if I came against this person, what did you also come against? (laughs) The big bully. He was coming against you if you picked on his Buddy, And so, no, leave him alone. Why? You can take him. No, leave him alone. (laughs) You don't know. Leave him alone. It is fear of that other one coming out. And so you stay out of that. What he is saying is, do you not understand that I have a closer relationship with Moses than anyone in all the past history here? Did I speak to him face to face? There's no one else I can do this with. And you... Want to speak against him? That means the only way you do that is if you lose respect for the one that he is buddied up with. Because you would not abuse the friend of the bully unless you became bold enough on the inside to say, "I can take him," and I'm tired of putting up with this little little guy over here is doing all the time. Because he thinks he's got this big bully behind him. So I'm done with it. I I am willing now to take on the bully. And I'm going to take on this one too. You have to lose some respect for the one who's doing the protecting. Somehow, Miriam and Aaron came into this position where they began to think we are entitled to some of the same perks that Moses has. We feel that God has withheld them. Moses has withheld them. And now we've had enough of it. And we're going to speak out against this thing. We're going to speak out against Moses. And God showed up. Like the bully would show up. To defend his buddy, his friend. And he says, come on outside. Let's have a discussion. How is it that you were not afraid to speak against my servant Moses? How is it? God is shocked at this. How is it that you were not afraid? You should have known known me. You should have known Him. You should have known what's going on. That knowledge should bring about a fear. And it did not bring about a fear for you to do this thing. That's why the knowledge of God, when we grow up in the things of His Word, and how many of y'all know when we're young in faith, we have, well, don't do this and do this and don't do this and do this and don't do this and do this. But eventually we start growing up and we learn some things. We find out why we don't do that. We have a respect for those, those things. God wants us to have a respect. And Miriam and Aaron were losing it. People who get into this mentality of entitlement. God, you, are, I'm entitled to this from you. You should do this for me. You should have put me in a place of being a spokesperson. Look at all these years I've served under Moses, helped Moses, done all the things you wanted me to do. And uh, I, I got nothing. And they think they're entitled to do so. People are in our country have this mentality that the government or the people and they say government but they mean the taxpayers owe them a living. They owe them a living. That is an anti God mentality. Because God does not promote that. That they owe them a living. God doesn't say that. God says, You don't work, what happens? He wants you to get to work. But we get into this thing where we, we feel entitled, and that once we, we get into that, well, people should do this for me, I become indignant to those people. I have something against them. How many people who have stuff or have this mentality are bitter against those who have something? They're embittered against the rich, they're embittered against corporations. But like who they want a job from, people who have money and people who have corporations. You cannot get into that. So God calls them out to deal with them this. I put this in your outline. People that feel entitled are usually also emboldened. It is hard pressed to find people who feel they are entitled to something that are not also emboldened. and bolder than they probably ought to be. Miriam and Aaron here are emboldened on their cause, so much so as to speak out against Moses, who is the buddy of God. To where they didn't have the respect for that anymore. How many of y'all know people who have an entitlement mentality that society owes them a living, they just want to sit at home and do nothing and collect a check? If that same person had someone break into their house and steal everything out of their house, what would their first call be? The police. Why? Somebody stole my stuff. But they want other people to steal from other folks and give it to them. But then, once they have it, what do they want to do? It's mine. My stuff. That is a wrong mentality. It is anti-God. And it's sneaking more and more into our country. We cannot have it. People did not, when we founded this country, you go back into the World War I era, World War II, people did not have this mentality. But now they're going to get this thing, well, everybody owes me a living. No, they don't. Go out there and get a job. Well, I should have the right to have a good job. No. You have a, you have a right to go out there and find a job. You have a right to make yourself a better person. You have a right to go out there and, and get trained up for the job that you want to do. And then when you get there, work hard to keep that job. Getting wrong. We're getting the wrong thing. What well, we have the right to do. And when the cloud departed from above the tabernacle, suddenly Miriam became leprous as white as snow. Then Aaron turned toward Miriam, and there she was, a leper. So Aaron said to Moses, "Oh, my Lord, please do not lay this sin on us, in which we have done foolishly, in which we have sinned. See, now they, they woke up. Oh man, we are on the wrong side. <laughs> this is not the side we're supposed to be. Oh man, we we did the wrong thing. At least they wised up, because some people you try and, they get into this mentality, you try and help them out, and no, oh, they don't want to. They don't want to hear it. They at least wised up. But I want to tell you that uh, that Miriam obviously was worse off than Aaron, right? Because she was a woman. I mean, you look at it right there. It's right there in your story. Miriam got leprosy. What did Aaron get? What did he get? Nothing. Because he's a man. Good, you're laughing. That's not what it is at all. (laughs) The only thing that kept Aaron from getting the same leprosy as Miriam was the high priest clothing that he wore. It's the only thing that kept him from it. And you will notice that later on when Aaron, is time to die, you know what they do first? They take off his high priest clothing and the man is dead very shortly. That high priest clothing... Protected Him. Wouldn't you like to have one of those? Well, you do. Because <laughs> God has made us all priests. You uh, you operate in the same role that the high priest did before. Because you have the high pri- priestly robe of Jesus. And that, that robe keeps you safe. <laughs> same way He kept Aaron safe. Did Aaron deserve to be safe no he even he realized this too cuz he's saying don't hold this on us what do you mean us she's the only one who's sick <laughs> you're not sick only her he had to realize the only thing that's keeping me alive right now or keeping me from getting this leprosy is that priest thing cuz you you couldn't put that on there and him be a high priest so god god spared him from that but he knew it should be what it's on her it should be on me and that's why he said don't lay this sin on us in which we have done foolishly to his credit he didn't try and put any more of this on Miriam in which we have sinned he's got that part of it down please do not let her be as one dead now he's interceding because he, now we're getting to the part that alright she's got it I don't he's interceding please do not let her be as one dead now who's he speaking to Moses isn't this neat the one he was speaking against he's now coming to for help please do not let her be as one dead whose flesh is half consumed when he comes out of his mother's womb so Moses cried out to the Lord saying please heal her oh God I pray Old Testament not new Moses cried out to the Lord saying please heal her oh God I pray so Moses is out there praying for the ones who spoke against him just a short time ago. Does Moses have anything against anyone? Should he? Well, by our definition. I mean, if someone just rose up and spoke against you and did all those things and to the point that it got God's attention. Understand, it wasn't just a little passing thing. This got God's attention because the Word of God tells us that God, the Lord, heard them. And then he came down. This was not a little passing, passing thing. This was something that God considered to be major. Wait a minute, you're speaking against my buddy? <laughs> Let me tell you what. You want to take on Moses? You take it on me. You ready for that? And Miriam came out leprous. God says, "Man, that's I'm just getting started. Man, that's nothing. The whole body's leprous. What do you think of that?" Then the Lord said to Moses, "If her father," Had but spit in her face, would she not be ashamed seven days? Let her be shut out of the camp seven days, and afterward she may be received again. So Miriam was shut out of the camp seven days, and the people did not journey till Miriam was brought in again. And afterward the people moved from Azeroth and camped in the wilderness of Paran. So if you wanted this to be kind of secretive, you know, God deals with just the three of us, it isn't anymore. (laughs) We got a leprosy, she's got to be outside again. Why is Miriam out there? Come on, I thought we were supposed to, we had plans, we were supposed to be up over here by night. How come we're still here? Why aren't we going anywhere? We, we, we said this is where we were supposed to go. No, no, we're waiting right here. Why are we waiting right here? we got to wait for Miriam. What are we waiting for Miriam for? She has leprosy. How'd she get leprosy? We just saw her yesterday. She was fine. How'd she get leprosy? Well, she'll have it for seven days. What do you mean seven days? They had to explain the whole thing. It was a severe enough situation that you can't just get on by and says, well, look, you know, she just got tummy ache. Well, she'll be better. <laughs> That's not going to cut it here. No, we got we to tell the whole thing. And so Miriam and Aaron had to come out in front of everybody or Aaron had to come out in front of everybody and explain this. Look, well, we talked against Moses and um, uh, she's out there. She has leprosy and I probably should have it too. But, you know, I'm the high priest, so I guess I couldn't have it. But um, uh, it's because we spoke against Moses. So what's the people thinking? Man, I'm not speaking anything about Moses. Mm-mm. I don't want God showing up in my house. I understand that the whole camp is waiting for Miriam. I don't know if the whole camp would wait for me. I'm not saying anything. And see, that's what we ought to do. But you see, the the, the words come and we have this this entitlement comes in. And when it comes in, this is stronger than the other two. When this grabs hold of people, And it can grab hold of people and their money. It can grab hold of people as innocently as thinking the government owes them something. But let me tell you what. If that entitlement mentality gets a hold of you in one area, it's got you in others. You begin to think that God owes you stuff. People owe you stuff. The church owes you stuff. Your neighbor owes you stuff. The car repairman owes you stuff. People like this will walk into a Target and they owe me stuff. So I'm just going to take stuff. Because they owe it to me anyway. They start cheating insurance companies on claims because, well, they're greedy and they got so much money anyway. They always take my money, never give me anything. What are they doing? I'm entitled. Now, you listen to people that are, are that way. Do they not have something against someone? You cannot have an entitlement mentality without having something against another. You cannot have it. It does not exist. The only way that you can feel that you are entitled to a free education, that you are entitled to health care, that you are entitled to a job, that you are entitled to a car, that you are entitled to gas at a certain price. And the list can go on and on. The only way that survives is if you have something against another. Now, you're going to, have to meditate on that and stew on that for a little bit because you're, you're thinking, no, that's not, I don't know, that's always right. It is. I've been meditating on this part for weeks. It is not possible to have an entitlement mentality and not have something against another. You cannot do it. You either think that God owes you something People owe you something, your job, corporations, whatever the list is, somebody has done you wrong and they need to be held accountable. If you have let any of those things, and I'll tell you what, if, you've, if you haven't turned off the news, then you are being bombarded with stuff to try and get you into that mentality that you are entitled if you let that get in, because when they say you are entitled to this, they are telling you also the people that are keeping you from it. Don't, don't let that in. If you let that in, you bring this in. If this comes in, you've already got bitterness. You've already got pride issues going on. One or the other is going on. to get to this spot. One of those others is going on. And you've missed it on Mark eleven 26. You've missed it. And it's a big area. Jesus, every time He taught about hindrances to prayer, every time He taught on hindrances to prayer, He taught on this. This is the reason people's prayers are not working. Do not feel that the government owes you a thing. Do not feel that your neighbor owe you a thing. Be blessed by God. like God blessed the work of your hands. And what you do, you do unto God. But what if somebody doesn't see? It doesn't matter if somebody doesn't see. Don't get that mentality. Don't let that in. That's the enemy. Remember how Aaron and Miriam started out. Has God only spoken to Moses? Come on, we're entitled to some of this too. I'm the high priest. This is Miriam. She's prophetess. Surely we're entitled to something. Now the downfall here. This comes against the, the the godly quality. This is why this is so detrimental. Because when you get into this entitlement mentality, this comes against the godly quality of grace. Is there anything we have from God that does not come by grace? For we have been saved is by grace, isn't it? Through faith, by grace. And then not of ourselves. In other words, I'm not entitled to it. It is the gift of God, not of works. In other words, I'm not entitled to it. Lest anyone should boast. Why would I boast? Because I felt like I was entitled to it. (laughs) It's by grace. If the enemy can get you into a place where you feel and you say, I should have that. I deserve that. I am entitled to that. He has pulled you out of grace because you cannot bless anyone with a grace gift if they feel they deserve it. You cannot do it. It is no longer by faith. Anyone who gets into an entitlement mentality will fall short of the grace of God because what they get, they feel they deserve. And Thank God we do not get what we deserve. <laughs> That's a good thing, because we deserve... Not things, things that are not so good. But the main quality, the main godly quality that this is coming against is grace. And when you go home meditate on this, and I hope that you do, I hope you meditate on this aspect of it. Can I have an entitlement mentality and still walk in the grace of God? And now you'll see why it's such a bad thing. And, but how easy, how, have you seen people, surely no one here, but other people. Have you seen people who've got sucked in, I am entitled to this 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 should be mine, and grace is gone in their life. The devil loves this because if he can get you out of walking in grace, <laughs> but here's there's a couple of other qualities you're going to see that this comes against when you get involved in this entitlement mentality, it even comes against mercy and thanksgiving. Now you come against and take the mercy of God out of your life, what do you got? Folks, do you want to take the mercy of God out of your life? Do you want God to deal with a thing? Well, all right, I'll tell you what. Let's just let's just start all over again. How about if I just give you what you deserve? Now, see, somebody who's all wrapped up in this entitlement mentality will say, "Oh yeah, all right, it's about time." But if you're like, you know, you if you get that attitude like Aaron and Miriam, you suddenly realize, "Oh no, no, <laughs> mm, I don't want what I deserve. No, 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 no." I'll, I'll stay on the mercy side. But you got to get out of that mentality that says, I should have that. It should be mine. With anything. With anything. Do not let it come in with anything. Don't let it get in there. Because you are no longer thankful. If you give somebody something that they feel they are entitled to, do they receive it with thanksgiving? give you an example of this. How many have ever had cable service or phone service or some kind of service installed in your home? And how many had less than a stellar experience with it? And after a while, we begin to think, I am entitled to someone coming to my house and installing this thing right. Don't we think that? And it isn't enough. We think, you know, this is, their, this is their job. This is what they do. I'm paying them money. They need to come out of my house and do this thing right because I'm entitled. Well, not really because I seem to remember that a long time ago they didn't have cable service. They didn't have internet. They didn't have phones. Were they entitled? I'm not entitled to those services. Well, I'm entitled for people to treat me right. So in order to get it, you're going to treat them horribly? Don't do it. My wife and I were listening to Brother Keith. I think I told you the story. People call over to have him come out and minister. And uh, sometimes his schedule does not allow it. And sometimes they get just irate with his staff. And they treat his staff poorly. Speak harshly to his staff. And he his comment was, You think that if I told you I couldn't make it, that I'll change my mind and change my schedule because you yell at my staff? <laughs> But somehow we get into this mentality. We think that, no, it's not going to happen. Don't get into it. Don't, don't get into that thing. You know what? If the cable service is just frustrating you and pulling you in, just drop it. Just drop it. Just be be thankful. Walk in the mercy of God. Keep that grace. Guard that grace. I'm in grace. I don't get what I deserve. I get what God has said I can have. <laughs> and that's better. I don't forgive because of a corrupted view of what I deserve. That's why I don't forgive. But They don't deserve me to forgive them. They don't deserve forgiveness. Look at what they did. I'm not, No, I don't have to do that. It's hard to be in this without bitterness coming in and without pride. Alex Haley, the author of Roots, he had an unusual picture hanging in his office. He had a picture of a turtle that was on a fence post. A turtle on a fence post. And someone commented about that and said, that is a really unusual picture. Why do you have a picture of a fence post with a turtle on the top of it? He said, because it reminds me he didn't get there by himself. (laughs) Folks, we didn't get where we are with God by ourselves. We had help with the Holy Spirit. We had help with God the Father. We had the mercy of God. We had the grace of God. We didn't get here by ourselves. Don't get angry. Don't get bitter. Don't get into a place where I feel like I deserve some things. Well, how do I foster these causes? I want you to, th- uh, some of the things that we would think on to get these things. In the first area, in the area of pride, I think on those abilities not recognized or utilized properly by others. I'm meditating on that. I'm thinking about Boy, I've got this talent. i got this ability. i got this skill. i got this knowledge. i got this whatever it is. And people are not taking advantage of that. Over the job, I could be doing this, this, and this, and they're not taking advantage of what I could be doing. Any other area of bitterness? We have those responses directed towards me wrongfully. I am always thinking about those responses directed toward me wrongfully. <laughs> I'm thinking about it all the time. I'm watering those seeds in this area, I think about those things denied to me that I have earned or deserved. I'm thinking about them. I'm pondering them. I should have that. That should be in my, my spot. If you get into an area of entitlement, you are immediately pulled from the area of being thanks, thankful. You No longer see the mercy of God and the grace of God is not abounding in you. How many times did Paul write, May the grace of God abound toward you. May the grace of God be with you. Can the grace of God be with us if we're always thinking I deserve it? I'm entitled to that. That should be mine. Mm -mm. Don't get into that. Guard against it. How do you guard against it? Don't think on these things. If people come and they sow thoughts like Miriam and Aaron had come in, think on this. You should be. God's speaking to you. You should be more in the front. What do you do with that? Well, maybe I should. No, put it away. Put it away. It don't matter. Just put it away. Put it aside. And just keep on going on. People are not holding you back. Stop buying into it that they are. People do not hold you back. You hold yourself back. No, but you don't know. Yep. Wrong attitude. Be thankful for what you have. Because if you're always looking at what you don't have, you're not thankful for what you do. Be thankful for what you got. Don't be meditating on these wrong things. They're going to hold you back. This is the hardest area to get out of. It takes some doing to get into. It's hard to get out of. If you talk to someone who has fully embraced an entitlement mentality, as soon as you begin to point the problem out, they immediately draw up a wall and refuse to listen. Aaron and Miriam did not do that soon. Now, they were rebuked by God. <laughs> if they were rebuked by a prophet, maybe they don't quite do it as much, but they were rebuked by God. But to Aaron's credit, what do you say? All right, we missed it. We missed out. We're wrong. <laughs> we're wrong. We shouldn't have done that. And he never says I. It's, it's we. We missed it. We shouldn't have done it. That's the attitude you got to have. You have that attitude. If God points it out, you think you're entitled to that. Yes, I do. Father God, I'm, I'm sorry. I don't, I don't want to think that. I don't want to think I'm entitled. There is a difference between thinking you are entitled and knowing that God has given you something. It's a huge difference. Knowing that God has given you something, you depend on the grace and mercy of God to operate in it. Thinking that you entitled it, you're looking at your works. A person who has an entitlement mentality is looking at, I did this, I did this, I did this, and I did this. I should have that. A person who realizes that God has given me something said, Glory to God. The grace of God is about me. God has blessed me. He is, like Paul said, God has counted me worthy to put this ministry on me. He didn't point to the fact that, Look, I, I studied a lot of years. I gave up a lot of my life. For, no, he didn't do that. He said, The Lord has counted me worthy. Me a sinner. He counted me worthy. See, that's the difference in that mentality. You draw off of the grace and the mercy. Always being thankful. Because the Word of God tells us that, doesn't it? In all things, be thankful. In all things, be thankful. That's what we need to do. This will erode you. And if you give into it. If you give in to that mentality. If you let that come into your life. It will hold you back in your prayers. It will hold you back in your walk with the Lord. It will hold you back in revelation that God will give to you because you're, you're not in the grace of God. You are resisting the grace of God and you are letting this eat away at the grace of God that's on the inside of you. You just go before God and say, Father God, I thank you. You didn't give me what I deserved, but I thank you for the things that you gave to me because of the grace and mercy that I have through Jesus. Now, I will take what you gave to me through His grace and mercy <laughs> and I will use them to further your kingdom. But I'm using them not with an attitude of I deserve to have these. I'm using them with an attitude Father God, I just thank you that you counted me worthy to walk in your kingdom. To be able to do the things you want me to do. One of the best examples to look at is John the Baptist. When John the Baptist was on the scene, he was popular. He was well known. And then Jesus came on the scene. And he said, my goal is to point to him. And John faded after that. How tough is that? It's okay. It came by the grace of God. It came by the mercy of God. I operated in it when God wanted me to do and now it's done. Now we just move on. What, what a way to go. And what did Jesus have to say about John? I tell you, greater than John the Baptist has not come. Hmm. That's where we need to be. The grace and the mercy of God. Don't let this world and their attitude that says you deserve and you should have and you should get and this should be yours and people are keeping this from you and you, don't let that get into you. Because our God is greater than all those things. And God has blessed us with every spiritual blessing. You believe that? You believe that God will take care of every one of your needs? And don't get into the entitlement area. We've got a little bit more to do on this one. But I hope you meditate on it. And as you come up with some thoughts on it, send them over, put them up on Facebook as you come up with some thoughts. Uh, love to see some interaction from y'all. on This is big. This is the thing that has hold of Christians and they don't even know it. If it has hold of any of us, I hope we respond the same way that Aaron and Miriam did. Oh, all right. I don't want that. I'm letting it go of that right now. Right now we get rid of that. Would you all stand up with me? Father God, we thank you for your word. We thank you. That we are guarded against the mentality of this world coming on us. He told the disciples, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees. Because that wrong teaching, that wrong expectation would corrupt the whole thing. This is part of what they taught. This entitlement. They had hold of them. We don't want to have a hold of us. If we have embraced this in any area. Father, I thank you that this week you'll be ministering to us and showing it to us. That we can drop it just as quick as Aaron and Miriam did. Just drop it. Getting out, it's gone. I don't want that anymore at all. Hot potato. Just drop it right out of our hands. And we'll pick up grace, mercy, walking in thanksgiving. We will not let those things be eroded by this worldly mentality. the goal of the enemy is to get us out of the grace of God, out of the mercy of God and into the place of judgment. But outside of your grace and mercy, all there is is judgment. Why would we want to be there? We want to stay in the grace and mercy side and be always thankful. If He can attack us in the area of thanksgiving, if He can attack us in the area where we're not as thankful for the things that we have, he can work this attitude into us. So Father, I thank you that we won't let that happen. We'll do what your word said. Be thankful always. In all things, give thanks. Because you knew if we do that, we don't fall prey to this. We don't have anything against anyone. We thank you for it. And